ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast you've been looking for, The Salty Pastor. My name is Jesse Mayer, I'm your host, and we are here at beautiful Foothills Christian Church in Boise, Idaho, bringing this podcast to you. Mm-hmm. And it is only three days till Christmas. Yay! Two days till Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is going to be awesome. And it's really good that we had that hashtag blessed series where I learned how to live with stress because (laughs) we are getting up on it. And our, yeah, little behind the scenes, kind of the inside baseball is, is that we call Easter and Christmas the Super Bowl of church. Yes. So that is coming up. (laughs) You're hearing the voice of our Dr. Douglas Peak, the salty pastor himself. And I just want to encourage you guys, if you have not made a plan for how you're going to do your Christmas Eve services um, with us here at Foothills, whether it's online or you're going to come in person, we have a great workbook on the website, foothills.org, that gives you the options of how you can interact online and make a plan for that, whether you want to do it over Zoom with family members or whatever that might be, or if you're doing a watch party at home, or what we're going to be doing and offering here on site. So I would really encourage you to do that. And part of the Christmas Eve service that we do every year, but this year we're kind of doing something fun and special, is the Christ's birthday offering. Yes. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, um, the first thing I want to tell people is uh, Christmas Eve celebration this year will be different because of COVID, especially if you are in a vulnerable population right next to us is an assisted care facility and we have people who have been attending our church and we did a service for them for a long time and one of the members over there uh called and just said uh please don't forget me you know they've now Mm. been quarantined into their own rooms they they can't even leave their own rooms and i'm just so sad for them uh, but they're trying to keep them from getting COVID. And so a bunch of ladies in our church, some people on our staff, went over there and uh, on the out, their outside windows uh, to their, their rooms, painted a bunch of, uh, of Merry Christmas signs, Aww. decorated their windows for that's them. Awesome. And, so, well, and I, that just shows the heart of Foothills, and that is do not make the choice to do nothing on Christmas Eve. Don't make that choice. Get that toolkit, get ideas, and do something. I, I heard of one group of people with their family. They couldn't travel and be together, and so they got on a Zoom meeting, and they did Trivial Pursuit. Yo, that's awesome. And they said that was one of the funnest times their family ever had. You know, That's really cool. <laughs> so I think one of the things you need to do, and it was at Thanksgiving when they did that, and what I think you need to do, each and every one of you, is choose not to do nothing. And make so plan. make a plan, get the toolkit, uh, do a watch party, do a micro service, come down here. If you've had COVID and you're immune, come down and serve, you know, because, you know, you're a unicorn basically because you yeah, you can't give it. You can't get it. You're fine. And so whatever may be the case, uh, help people to celebrate the birth of Christ. And one of the biggest ways we do that is communion. Right. You know, we come and we everybody has communion together. We, uh, uh, the other thing we do is we're generous, our Christ's birthday offering. And, you know, this year what we're doing is we've got a challenge gift. Uh, some, a couple of people have given us $175,000 up front. And they said, we want to challenge everybody in the church and let them know that we will match every dollar they give, dollar for dollar, up to $175,000. Wow. So I just want to help people be inspired to give. And what we're going to do each year when we, on our Christ's birthday offering is we try to make really special 
uh, emphasis of those gifts to make an immediate impact in the community. Mm. And one of the things we want to do is be able to create a platform and a media so that that gal at Grace Assisted who doesn't want to be forgotten, then she knows she's not forgotten. So uh, you have to realize this group of people, bless their heart, you know, they, they can't pull up a computer and log on to things. They're just not really capable of doing that. Right. You know, and so just think if we were able to get an iPad or something that it turns on, it has one button and they just hit that button and then it does everything for them. And that requires us to build a technological platform to do that for them. Right. And that's one of the things we want to do because we do not want our elderly population to feel like they've been forgotten and isolated. Right. So that's one, you know, our Christ birthday offering is going to building things to keep all of those elderly folks connected. So if you have a grandma or grandpa or somebody in your mom or dad that you're concerned about, then this Christ birthday offering is for you because it's really going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference in, you know, the way we feed people. You know, we built a food pantry. We got food. We got volunteers. The food's coming in and going out. But one of the biggest things that we've had to make an adjustment is how we distribute it. Mm. You know, people used to park, walk in, and then they would, uh, go you shopping, know, go, yeah, or do whatever. Yeah, we would get stuff. boxes for them. They'd tell us what they need. They get to pick out the bread they liked. We can't do that anymore. You know, our volunteers are going back and forth because they're wearing rubber gloves and masks and all this kind of stuff. Everything is pre-sterilized for COVID. And so one of the things that makes it really, really difficult to distribute is getting that. So part of our platform is, you know, it's really interesting because the one thing people who, who are even some of the poorest of the poor in America is that they have cell phones. Well, and it's kind of mandatory almost yeah, now. Yeah, like it, the yeah. way our, our society has evolved, they... they you're expected to have some sort of smart device on you at all times to be able to be contacted or exactly and they, to do anything. They have to have that. So they'll have a, you know, they won't have a car. They won't have anything. They'll come get food. They'll get a ride or, or, or walk and, but they'll have a cell phone and our platform that we're trying to build is going to allow uh, them to, you know, show up, let us know what they need and all that kind of stuff without them being exposed to anything because you know when the poorest of the poor the real indigent the homeless and they're exposed you know they they tend not to go to hospitals they suffer in silence you know they have a lot of addictions and chemical problems like that and so we, we we're trying to keep them as safe as possible so when you give the christ birthday offering and we say hey you're given to build a platform people are like well what's that and i'm like well that's what it is it's about safety. It's about keeping people out of isolation. It's about ministering to people and their needs every single day. Well, and I think it's important to note, like, you know, the vaccine is coming out, but yes. that doesn't mean this is going to be the last potential disease that goes around. This doesn't right. mean that there aren't vulnerable people that still aren't able to yes. leave their homes or whatever for whatever reason. So we're building something that's really going to reach and yeah. bless people far beyond when covid is you know controlled yeah, yeah. quote unquote we'll just or, wait till we get covid 2021 yeah, i mean it's like we're <laughs> we're trying to create something that's going to allow us to reach further yeah and be ready for if there ever is another thing like this or something else that comes along yeah. i mean we don't know what the future has planned and this is one of the best ways to utilize the tools we have to make a real impact yeah and, and you know we asked ourselves a simple question and what is the most important thing for us, and that is people meeting Jesus. So Jesus is king, and people are paramount. They're the most important. And so we thought to ourselves, what's happening is people are isolated. People are at home. People are this. People are that. And so what is the best way to get to them right now? And the best way to 
keep people from being isolated. The best way to connect with them, to shepherd them, care for them, meet their needs, care everything across the board, disciple them is through technology. And so uh, we're, we're just going to try to do everything we can because people are the most important. So that's what the Christ Birthday Offering is all about, is trying to reach more people and care for them right here in our own town and then across the state and across the nation and even if it's across the globe. Right. We want to do everything that we can. Well, and it really just comes down to acts of love for these people and right. really caring about their salvation, which segue <laughs> today's subject on our study is Man, about you are love. so good. Yes. Yeah, that's what I this was. I think I lose Jesus. points for pointing out that it's a segue, but I just really <laughs> okay. wanted to throw it in there. <laughs> well, this is really powerful. Yeah. So today is December 22nd. And in three days, we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Jesus as King. And that was our series, and the last passage of Scripture is 1 John chapter 4. The first passage of Scripture was uh, the gospel according to John chapter 1. And so it's interesting to see that in his gospel, he started us. Now this is letters that he wrote to all the churches, right? And he was very, he's probably close to 90 years old when he wrote this. Yeah, he was getting old. And... Uh, so he writes in there in the fourth chapter. It's really interesting because uh, last week we talked about the Philippians chapter. And you, if you remember when I was talking about it, I said, look, this passage was important in the very early church because people were saying, well, I saw Jesus. How could he be God? And so that's why it was in Philippians. He said in the being in the very nature God. So they were refuting that criticism. Well, here we see something different because you know what the criticism became after a while is that, okay, we, Jesus is God and all, but he certainly wasn't flesh. That's just not possible. And so notice what he... Is this going back to the, our conversation about him being a hologram? In yes, some yes, <laughs> yes. So this is basic Gnosticism, and we, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Write yourself a note to ask me about Gnosticism later. It's how you know things to be true or not, but... And listen to what he says. He says, dear friends, do not let every do not believe every spirit. And so the, the, the term spirit there means like teaching. Right. You know, he says, test the teachings, the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. That's really interesting. This is the test. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ is has come in the flesh is from God. So he immediately just, bam, right off, says, look, Jesus Christ, so he's using Jesus the Messiah, right? So we know he's God right. who came to us, but he actually came in the flesh. He wasn't a hologram. He wasn't a lesser God. He wasn't anything. He was completely God, and he was completely flesh all at the same time. So what are the, and and then i'm assuming that continues on and talks about you know if you think the other way i mean, yeah. believe the rest of that verse is something about you know well he says the yeah antichrist. the spirit the spirit of the antichrist of which you have heard is coming is already in the world and that's why at times i will say things like well that's the spirit of the antichrist and it's in the world already there's there are there are ideologies and there are things out there that are evil and we know not only because of uh, objective truth tells us that they're evil, but we see the impact and influence 
of what they do to human beings and we can say that they're evil. You know, communism is a perfect example uh, of what it does to human beings. And then in verse four, he goes on to say, but you're my children, you're from God and you have overcome these things. You've overcome the spirits of the Antichrist. You've overcome these falsehoods and these ideologies that, that will uh, deceive you and distract you and undermine your faith. He says, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So oftentimes people are asking me, well, you know, pastor, you know, you talk in the salty pastor about these these things that are happening, these teachings, these ideologies, how they're they're getting in, in uh, infected into everything or infused into everything we do. You know, aren't you just a voice crying out in the wilderness? You know, nobody listens to you. <laughs> Thank you for that compliment. I appreciate <laughs> it. But they, they say it with a good heart. And I go, well, and what they're trying to say is that I wish more people would hear what we're talking about. And so. But they're right. And I always, why do why are you and I, and why are we doing this? Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Well, and I think it's important because, like, I took an environmental science class in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was probably the most depressing class I've ever taken in my life. Because basically, <laughs> other than reading the Lorax the first week of yeah. classes, we basically spent each week going, okay, here's what's happening on to the planet because of blank. Yeah. And this is how long it is until the planet ends because of blank. And, yeah, so it's yeah. like, and there was never really any real like solve. And so it's like sometimes you can listen to the salty pastor and be like, man, things are so hard and yeah. the things are so messed up. And... But we have to always come back to that fact exactly. that he is greater than all of this. Like, yeah. we're pointing it out, but that does not mean we're despairing. We're not here saying right. everything's going to end. Well, I mean, it will all end, but we're not, we're not here yeah, giving up. In God's time yes. and on God's plan, he goes, because that's what he says. He says, verse 6, we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. We are from God. And that, that, that's, a, that's an important statement for me, and I know you take it seriously too, and that is that my goal is not to share my opinion at all because in all truth, there's nothing salty about my opinion. Uh, what I'm trying to do is try to share with you, this is what God is teaching in the Scripture. I have an extremely high view of the Bible, of Scripture, is it's inspired Word of God. And so what I'm trying to do, though, is trying to help you understand what he's saying. And how it then it translates because it says there we are from God and whoever listens to God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. And then, like you said, even though we talk about really difficult, hard things, the, the, this is what I love about this passage because I want, the whole chapter fits. But what's really interesting is most people start reading this chapter chapter, and every message you hear from first John chapter four almost always starts with verse seven. They skip the first six. They, verses. they, they skip the first <laughs> six verses. And here's why. Because listen to this. This sounds so familiar. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Uh, it just makes your heart. Warm, <laughs> it's, huh? it's so Christmassy. <laughs> Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is what love is. This is love. Verse 10. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sins. Last week we talked about the power of redemption. So our capacity to love God, to love each other, to, for me, love my wife, love my children, and hopefully love my grandchildren one day. Subtle, subtle. No subtle hints there. But uh, 
just to love everything about love the beauty of love the wonder of love is possible because of the redemptive power of jesus christ on the cross he's the atoning sacrifice and that is so powerfully important he says dear friends since god so loved us we also ought to love one another no one has seen god but when we love one another guess what god is living within us and his love is made complete in us i'm telling you that's better than a hallmark movie that is and there's a (laughs) lot of hallmark movies but what's so interesting is notice how 7 through 11 is in the exact same chapter of 1 through 6 where he's talking about the spirit of falsehoods and why i think I love doing the salty pastor. I think why I'm so committed to doing it is because I believe in the power of love. And I believe that these false ideologies are Satan's attempt to rob you of love. It's, it's his attempt to deceive you out of love and deceive you from walking in the fullness of every good thing that God has to you. And that's why I think this is going to continue to grow. Because when you strip it all away, it doesn't matter what the world says. Everybody realizes at some point it's just a bunch of bunk. And they go, I need something real. I need to understand that I can be affirmed by God, the creator of the universe, because he loves me. And when I live in love and I walk in the definition of what it means to be a human being that comes from him, I walk in his, the power of his redemptive sacrifice. Guess what? I can love like I've never loved before. That's pretty powerful stuff. That is. It's it's fun, too, because it's like Paul starts off pretty salty in those first six yeah. verses. <laughs> yeah. And then he drops into John. This John, one's John. Sorry, John, yeah. John. First Paul. That's Paul, definitely Paul, John, Paul, John. Aren't they? They're all apostles, we've, we've aren't they? We've been doing a lot of Paul lately. I <laughs> yes, think I have. defaulted to him. But, I, I mean, I like that John's pretty salty yes. in those first six, and then he kind of drops in. But, you know, even greater than all of this yes. garbage is God and love. Those are those two things he puts at the top of the I know, the you, and you, you just pointed out something that's really, I think, very important that people aren't going to quite catch. But what you did is something really, really important, and that is, is this, is that in order to live in love, to walk in love, to have love as my highest value, it begins with truth. Mm. It always starts with something salty. It always starts with something I don't want to hear. You know? And this is, this is why the world is so f- bad at love and so bad at romance and so bad at sex and so bad at everything because they never start with the truth they always just start with what they want so everything is a consumer and that's not love that's lust mm. and and so what you pointed out was really important uh, really really important for people to understand john starts with being salty he drops a boatload of truth right on you there's a truth and there's a lie you choose what you're going to believe and let me tell you something it has everything to do with you walking living and experiencing love in your very own life absolutely well is there anything else in this passage you wanted to cover yeah, I think I think that you know he talks in verses thirteen through eighteen. He basically says, you know, love is when we're loving, you know, and it's an authentic, pure love that's coming out of us. Uh, we know that God is living in us, and we see the hand of God, the kiss of God, the Holy Spirit of God, it being expressed through our compassionate love and our agape love, our truthful love, our courageous love. Uh, confident love through one another when we're in him and it says this no one has ever seen god but when we love one another god lives in us and his love is made complete in us and if you remember in hashtag blessed uh, in philippians paul says he who began a good work in you will complete it unto the day of perfection 
And that you see this exact same principle from John um, in tandem with what Paul said is that his love is going to be made complete in us. So how do I know? How do I know if I'm, you know, because we talked last week about sometimes I'm deceived. Right. And it influences my romantic life, my marriage, my loving my kids, loving my job, everything. Right. We talked about that. Well, what's really important to understand is he goes, verse 13, this is how you know you're walking and living in him. Okay, and that he is living in us because the Holy Spirit was given to us as a gift. God's divine presence has been given to you. Now, we have seen and we testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. And if you acknowledge Jesus Christ is the son of God, then God will live in you and they will live in God. And that's how we know we can live and rely on God's love that he has for us. And then it goes back into God is love. Don't forget. And then he, he caps it off in verse 19. We love because he first loved us. And then he, he says, verse 21, uh, or sorry, 20, whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And that's why the kingdom of God is at its core a kingdom of love. It's not a kingdom of sexuality or eros love. It is, you know, erotic love uh, because it's not based on control or power or authoritarianism type of love it's why the doctrine of no of non-coercion is so critical you can't force people to follow jesus you know and so when people ask me questions like this they say well if god would just show up and do something then i would believe in him and i'm like it's not how it works (laughs) it doesn't work that way i said does it work that way in in your life you know um uh, you know, I, I, I'll tell you a thing. I know this is going to sound unbelievable, but when I was in college, there were some girls that had crushes on me. I know that sounds yes. impossible. <laughs> yeah, that's really going to take people aback. And so they came up to me and they said, uh, I want to date you and I'm in love with you. And so, you know, they were, they were willing to do anything. And so how did I respond to that? I never dated a single one of them, mm. you know. So, so if God shows up and says, hey, I want you to date me and love me because you're so cool and awesome and I'm going to give you everything you want. What, as a human being, what do you do? Uh, uh, nope. <laughs> hard pass. Yeah. You know, you, you know, love is such a unique thing. Like we talked about before, you know, people really don't even understand the neuroscience of love. They don't even understand where consciousness comes from. And so the thing about it is, is that the doctrine of non-coercion is thing. This is why God is silent. This is why God is a mystery because love is a mystery. And we discover the greatest love, the most incredible love when we have to navigate through the, the, the ocean of chaos and confusion and rainstorms and salty sea and all that stuff to we we find love because we're adventurers at heart we're discoverers and no one wants to come in and say okay jesse this is who you're gonna marry and you're gonna be in love with him it's the greatest adventure of your life you're like yeah yeah i don't think so <laughs> you're like you know i want to know i want to go out you see what i'm saying you know yeah. and you get in it's so that that's exactly why we believe in the doctrine of non-coercion this is what jesus teaches at his core is that if you seek me you will find yeah if you knock the door will be opened if you ask it will be given it will be given 
And so isn't that interesting? You know, when you start a relationship with somebody, and I'm using a romantic analogy here, but when you start a relationship with people, right, generally what you're doing is you're kind of checking it out and you're, you're asking, you're seeking, you're knocking, right? Right. Seeing how it goes. Seeing how it goes. And so that's really the most powerful faith, the strongest faith, and that is the path to true, authentic love. Well, and I like that he says, this is how you know. Like, this is how And I know. mean, that could be, a, I mean, obviously translations put it, but I would assume that that's a fairly standard yes, very translation accurate. across most of them. And it's just like, this is your proof to know that this is true. Like, mm -hmm. And I love that particular phrase of just being like, he's like, you don't have to guess. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. literally telling you, <laughs> this, this is, is how, how you, you know. know. Yeah, and and so that's what's so interesting is that that's one of the reasons why the kingdom of God has always grown is it's always grown in love. You know, here is one of the most amazing historical facts about the growth of Christianity, and that is you look at Hinduism, which is large. You look at Buddhism in China. You look at Islam, and that is is that every place that Islam has grown in particular is they went in and they conquered it and they forced everybody to be Muslims, right? And it was imposed upon them. Christianity, when you look back at it, every time they tried to do that, it didn't work. Like yeah. Charlemagne, who's called himself the Holy Emperor of Rome. You See know? the one that had them run through the river to baptize. No, their... that was Constantine. Okay. Uh, he <laughs> baptized did ba their swords, yeah. or not their swords, the rest of them. A everything their but their sword arm. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. He baptized his army by marching them through the river, and he said, that's "Oh, guys, works, right? <laughs> take your sword out and hold it above your head because we don't want to baptize that." So yeah, of course that was ridiculous. But Charlemagne, uh, he was in the eighth uh, and ninth century, you know, and basically he was the one who kind of started all of European continent uh, uh, on a course of ultimately having some form of commonality to it. And he 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 was a huge conqueror, you know. And one of the things he would do is he'd go in and he'd conquer various villages or things and he would forcibly convert all those people he'd say you're all christians now and so that never really worked right and of course we had the hundred year wars you know a few centuries later and stuff like that these are all religious wars that's that those things come out when you try to force stuff about faith and god love on it but here's here's an interesting fact is when you look at the the nations that were most christian and how they became christian the reason why is because they went in and they conquered a group that had Christians in it, took them as slaves, and then they ended up converting all of them to Jesus. <laughs> it's exact opposite of the way Islam did it. Right. You know, because well, you look at uh, you look back and you look at some of the greatest literature in, in theology and stuff like that. A lot of it happened in the German area and stuff like that. Well, the Germans were all barbarians, you know, they were all animists and stuff like that. And what happened is Alaric, the barbarian came down and he sacked Rome in the fifth century. And then that was the beginning of the fall of the Western Roman empire. Pretty much. Uh, of course, and they were known as the vandals. So that's really, that's where vandalism comes from. Okay. Because they went sense. in there. They went normally when you would go in, you go in, you'd conquer, and then you'd set up a government, and you'd tax them, and you'd do all this right. stuff. They didn't. They're they just barbarians. Went they went in there and they burned everything, took everything, <laughs> you know, took advantage of the women, and left. Okay. 
it's so vandal- so vandalism is now it's you go destruction for, uh, of poverty your trivial pursuit yeah. game on zoom you it, can, yeah, it's uh, kind of funny that way that history but what's interesting about that is they took you know slaves and stuff and these people went back and then ended up uh over centuries they they became deeply faith filled people. The Protestant of the Reforma- uh, Protestant Reformation was ensconced there. Um, an, another another example in history is this: is in Ireland, their patron saint is Patrick, Saint Patrick, right? And what was interesting is the Irish people are proudly Irish, right? Very proudly Irish. And for the longest time, they were uh, pagans. You know, they're big time pagans and they practiced uh, slavery very extensively. And so they captured a young man and they enslaved him. And then what happened is he escaped. And after like, I think it was three or four years of cruel, harsh slavery, Mm. he escapes and he gets back to the mainland of England and he becomes a Christian. And he, as soon as he becomes a Christian, he says, I feel called to go back to the Irish people, the people who enslaved him and treated him so cruelly, uh, to lead them to Christ. And so he went back to the very people that had enslaved him all those years. Mm. And that was Patrick. And he led them all to Christ. And that's so th- that's where their religious heritage comes from. That's why they celebrate St. Patrick's Day. That's amazing. Yeah. So isn't that interesting? You see, what I'm getting at is that everywhere you look through history and what you read here in First John chapter 4 is that the, king, the power of the kingdom of God is love. It's not conquering. It's not power. It's not authority. It's not forcing people. It's love. And that is why your soul longs for affirmation. That is why people's souls long for community, because the highest thing your soul will ever experience is love, not erotic love or stuff like that, but soul thirst quenching love. And that can only come from God and the kingdom of Jesus. And that's why we say Jesus is king, because he's the king of love. Amen. (laughs) Well, that is it for today. Um, oh my, the we, time flies. It does fly. We have just two days till Christmas Eve, yes. so that's when our next Salty Pastor will also drop. So yes. we've been getting kind of lucky on these holidays. We did Thanksgiving, <laughs> we had a Salty Pastor. Christmas Eve, we're having a Salty Pastor. Yes. So uh, make sure you tune in for that one. Make sure you make your yes. plan um, yes. with the toolkit online for how yes. you're going to experience Christmas Eve services with your family uh, and your community. And we will see or you will hear us on thursday (laughs) all right god bless you merry christmas and please please do not choose to do nothing celebrate the birth of christ